Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. This show is sponsored by Virtual Coffee with Ashish, which is a weekly cybersecurity show where we come across cybersecurity topics in a cloud world. A lot of us have been moved into a completely remote environment in a lot of cases. Some of us are looking for a job. And one of the things which you look in a company, whether you're working or you're about to work in a company, is culture. We spoke about what is culture, and I got Graham, who literally wrote a LinkedIn article on this, on how do you do good culture with remote employees. And with COVID-19, it's safe to say most of us are in a remote environment. This was a really interesting episode. We got into the finer details of what it's like to build a culture in a remote environment where there's no face-to-face time. You know how it's different for people who have been in that space, where it's different building a rapport or relationship in person you can read a body language you can do a lot of these things which pick up on the fact that either you're boring the person or they genuinely want to talk to you so we got into how you kind of have these checkpoints within your organization with employees and continue bringing the culture with transparency and having some donut catch-ups virtual coffee is kind of like what we had this show is live on twitch and linkedin every sunday 8 a.m and gets later available as a podcast episode which is what you're hearing right now so in this episode graham and i spoke about his experience with growth organizations how to build cybersecurity culture and how to leverage the existing teams when you have a small team for cybersecurity and why cybersecurity being a risk function still has a huge part to play in culture and leveraging culture to build a resilient cybersecurity environment for any organization. As always, we appreciate your support and uh, a special shout out to the person who recommended this topic as an episode. I can't reveal the name at the moment because I haven't had the permission from them yet, but I just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, hopefully I can share the name in the next episode. But uh, anyone, if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach us on our socials or LinkedIn. And um, I would be happy to include an episode which would be helpful for you. So. As always, appreciate your feedback and review on iTunes for our podcast. And um, thank you for following those who have joined us recently on subscribing to our YouTube and Twitch channel and those who connected with me on LinkedIn and have this wonderful conversation about how some of these things are helpful and what they would want to change. So really appreciate both uh, constructive feedback. Thanks so much for this. And let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Virtual Coffee with Ashish. Today is an interesting episode. You know, it's one of those soft skills that people always talk about where, oh, it's the culture of the organization that I want to join that makes a difference for me. It's not how much they pay me. It's not about how much, um, I guess, money I make or how much uh, amazing companies, it could be Facebook, Google, whatever. All companies you, they are not, nowadays struggle with culture. And I found someone who can probably shed some light, especially if you're a growth organization. Now, thanks to COVID, a lot of us have been forced to go online and work remotely. And I got someone online. I found someone who literally wrote an article on how to work remotely. So thankfully, we have someone. And I'm going to bring him over. And Hey, Graham. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. 
Thank you. So for people uh, joining in now, Graham literally wrote like an article on how to build culture for remote employees as well. And it, I think it, it's worthwhile calling out that it has been, it's not a new problem. It has been there in a lot of spaces before COVID happened as well. But I think it's kind of highlighted that oh, some of the fields in IT, especially like cybersecurity, no one ever thought about this until like now suddenly everyone's Oh, we are working remotely. I don't even know what's being pushed in the pipeline or things like that. But I'm glad I have Graham here. And uh, as always, I'm not going to try and butcher his introduction. So Graham, for people who don't know you, uh, how would you describe Graham? Um, oh, OK. Well, I think that, that's probably how it is where I went. That's how I probably describe myself. Um, so I spent 10 years in the military, and I've still struggled to shake that, uh, probably the, the culture that had um, become so embedded in me there. Um, but yeah, I, I love doing outdoors things. I love everything that you'd expect of, a, of an ex-military man. Um, even having spent five years now in the private sector, I still struggle to shake that tail. And I think that really um, answers starts to answer some of what we're going to talk about today, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I think, and thank you, to, thank you for your service, by the way. I uh, really appreciate when I get ex-military people as well. Um, and funny enough, a lot of ex-military people do enter cybersecurity. I don't know why, but <laughs> but yeah. maybe it's a culture thing and uh, it's all about, I want to keep this safe. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an element of that. And I think uh, at the same time, you see one person going in and being successful in that environment. And then there's quite a, a train that that creates. Yeah. Uh, by the way, before we start with that questioning, you're doing a quick beverage check. I've got my beverage. Oh, awesome. Cheers. Love New York. <laughs> and, and, a, and a bit of Disney as well, which is another... another um, oh, yeah, the Mickey Mouse. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I was a cast member there back um, back when I was at university. So I actually learned oh. about customer service and um, I'm really doing things right by, by the customer or the guest, as Disney would have you call them. Oh, there you go. Well, I think that's a good way to start then. Um, how do yeah. you get into cybersecurity? Like military and then what brought you into cybersecurity? Yeah, I think um, there's there's a couple of paths that people have uh, at my my age, and really I was that kind of 13, 14 year old kid who spent far too long on his computer, and um, and just wanted to get up to a bit of mischief and probably no good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was kind of interested from a young age about how things worked and how things could be broken and and um, how controls could be stepped um, stepped to the side of each of them. Um, yeah. But but actually didn't you know, didn't kind of fall off the rails and, and go down that route. Um, thankfully, had the military to, to fall back and put me on the straight and narrow quite quickly. Um, and then had a military career as a Royal Signals officer. So working with networks and working with secure networks, but not really from a cybersecurity point of view, more for a, from a network planning, deployment capacity point of view. Um, and it, during my latter, the latter time in my career, um, I really started to see a few doors open for cybersecurity. It started to become a, a key growth area in the military. Um, and then I tried to position myself for those roles. So worked in quite a lot of cyber roles at, at the end of my career um, before deciding that the private sector was the place that I needed to go if I wanted to work in cyber and cloud um, and really have something a little bit more interesting for the future. Yeah, and I think to, to your point, uh, it definitely brings in a unique perspective as well. I find it amazing that really, I mean, I guess cybersecurity professionals that I've spoken to, everyone has been like super smart, really interesting background, and but not many start off with cybersecurity. Somehow they all end up in cybersecurity, but they all don't. And I think it's amazing because 
everyone who's not from a cybersecurity perspective, they bring in their own, I guess, experience and another world experience into the cybersecurity field, which is amazing. So I do appreciate that. The first question that I have for you is, what does culture mean for you? And where does that intersect with cybersecurity? Okay, so I think there's a, there's a definition of culture that, that most people will fall back to. Um, and it's coined by Herb Keller from Southwest, which is a culture is what people do when no one is looking. Um, and apologies if I butchered that phrase. Um, but essentially, that, that's what it is. It's the underlying values of an organization and the people within that organization. And that, that phrase of what they'll do when no one is looking, it's because it's so ingrained in them that it doesn't matter if anyone's looking, if anyone's checking, that's, that's what they deal with. People often confuse culture with things like your organizational values, which can be a part of your culture, and but they're not your culture at large. And I think one, one big thing that I'm seeing a lot of at the moment is people think they can manufacture a culture, which true, you have to grow it in certain growth organizations, but they think you can manufacture it by the addition of a ping pong table and a slide to an office. Um, it's much more fundamental than that. The, the second part, I guess, of the question was the, the intersection of, of um, security and culture. And I, I look at this in a couple of ways. Um, security can really either undermine or underline your culture. And depending on how that culture is and how security intersects and is overlaid on top of that, can really depend on which one of these it's doing. So a way, a way you could look at that is um, you look at policing. Ultimately, policing is a security function. Um, and if you see police out on the streets, that can make you feel really safe and at ease in certain scenarios. In other scenarios, it can create a bit of panic, heightened suspicion, you know, heightened awareness. And InfoSec's really similar. Um, so you've got to be able to make sure that you're on the right side of that. You want people yep. to be doing the right thing when no one's watching. Um, but what you don't want to do is imply a lack of trust in your workforce and create a, a sense of, of fear. Oh, that's an interesting one. And I think, too, I love the policing comparison as well, because when you do see a cop on the road, you know, usually not, you're not scared. Unless you've committed a murder or something, then you look at the, you're basically looking at the police officer and go, oh, does he know or does he or she know that I've done this? And I think that's kind of where the fear uh, or the negative vibe about cybersecurity comes in from as well, where, yep. oh, it's all about policing, it's all about the book. But there's, I think there's a reason why, say, um, I don't want to use a COVID example, but I think even during a curfew or a protest or something, there's a reason why they're there to contain the damage. It's not to, like, uh, it, yeah, it's not to be basically amplify it. It's basically to control it to a point that it doesn't chaos, cause chaos for everyone else who's not involved in it. Yeah. So I think it's very similar in, in, in this case as well. And I love the example that you gave about uh, culture is not about ping pong tables because... Uh, I've had organizations in the past where we had had ping pong tables and there have been kombuchas. I don't know if you drink kombucha, but there's kombucha on tap. And I'm like, what is this thing? And yeah, it's, it's, it's just bizarre how that doesn't make a difference. No, no, it can it can probably be a small indicator of the, the maybe the, the way that organization thinks, because there will be some organizations where you absolutely would not get a ping pong table. <laughs> That's the culture's bad there, but it probably starts to say something about their culture to an extent. Yeah, and taking this another notch up with remote employees now, everyone's working remote, right? I think like there's no point of having a ping pong table because you're not, you're not there to drink kombucha anymore. So in case of a remote employee, how does this change? Yeah, so I think this, 
it's really really interesting um really interesting question actually um and i think looking at how it changes with remote employees is one thing and has it changed due to covid to another um so covid's probably been the biggest driver for technological change that we've had um since since maybe the internet i don't know um, yeah most likely yeah most likely yeah (laughs) It's really, it's really pushed the timeline, um, shut the timeline on making sure that people can operate remotely. But what it hasn't done is overnight changed culture. It's not a ping pong table. Um, It's, it's, sorry, maybe it is a ping pong table. It's not changed culture in that sense. The culture is underlying within the organization and the culture maybe needs to adapt to this, but it hasn't been a driver for change of this. what I, what we found really important within Matillion, where I work at the moment, is that um, we we use the principles of a guy called Patrick Lencioni, um, who talks about the five dysfunctions of team with um, essentially establishing trust is, is the bottom um, pillar of this. But what he talks about is what makes up culture in his, his latest book, I think it's called The Advantage, really worth a read. Uh, he talks about how you can actually generate culture and how you can generate that through ensuring that all the senior leaders and therefore the messaging throughout your organization is aligned. They, those uh, areas that you need to align are things such as working as a team, how you align, how you communicate, and then start looking at the principle and um, the fundamentals of your business. So why do you exist? How do you behave as a business? What do you do? How are you going to succeed? And, and I think the most important one is what's most important right now and who must do what on the back of that. Those things don't change whether you're in a post-COVID world, a pre-COVID world, remotely, or all sat in a very small office. All of those remain the same, but having that transparency is what's important. So how you, if you get that right, you can um, push that across any kind of business, no matter how you are configured. Yeah. So for, for us, we've, we've managed to, I think we've got that really spot on. Um, so then when we've moved to a much more remote culture, sorry, much more remote workforce than we had. Um, we've been able to extrapolate that across with relative ease because everyone is aligned, everyone knows what direction they're pulling in, and everyone knows what is most important. That's really interesting. And I think the, the real challenge, um, and it, it, you, you're right, if you've already built something that kind of carries over in the, into a remote world as well, mm-hmm. but as we move forward and a lot of countries and states are basically saying, well, we need to figure out how to live with COVID, which potentially means we are hiring people remotely as well, sure. which brings in another challenge. And it's funny because um, the the job that I'm at right now as well, I was hired remotely. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want the first time I went into the office was like a month after being hired. And it was funny. Uh, it was a weird experience to begin with because I think I never expected myself to join a company at not even, even though I'm in the same city as the office, not going to the office for like over a month or something. Um, but so do you reckon it changes or how do you, what kind of practices can you build mm. to onboard people with that same culture or highlight that culture when you're trying to onboard people as well? Is there some thoughts around that as well for you? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, we've we've um, not stopped hiring since, um, since COVID. We've still had a couple of hires um, and we obviously have that, that issue. Um, we've got a lot of tools to be able to help us with this. So yes, we've got that culture set, um, but how do we maintain that? And that was actually what the, the main point of this, the, the article that you referenced, which is on my LinkedIn in a minute. 
Um, we use a number of different tools. So we've signed up to something called Donut, which is an app that sits on top of Slack. Um, oh, yeah. That, that looks at the interactions between you and other people within your organization. It ranks them, and then it pairs you up every week and says, go and grab a, a donut or a virtual coffee in our case with someone once a week, 15 minutes, and maybe don't talk so much about work or something directly product um, project related. Just yep. talk about each other. And because it's pairing you up in that sense, you're getting to know people across the organization who you don't have strong relationships with. That, that's great at a fundamental level. Um, next one up, how, how we keep that alignment um, regularly. Uh, we have two weekly town halls where our CEO and exec team sit down on, um, on Zoom. Okay. Have um, we use Slido to bring questions in from everyone across the organization, both anonymously and named, vote them up. And then we have real candid sessions where we can ask anything that's going on with the organization and we will, we will drive answers that way. Um, and on top of that, we have another thing that we've uh, we've slightly changed in a, a post-COVID world. We have a, a what's on my mind session. So this is a 30-minute session on Zoom once yep. a week from um, anyone within the exec team now who just talks about what's what's keeping them, their mind um, occupied that week. What it really does is keeps that um, that constant alignment back to our, our core plan of what's going on in the business and how we're navigating such uh, such choppy waters. Mm. It's really interesting because we, um, yeah, I've seen Donut and Virtual Coffee. I've seen, um, there's something else that people can, people are doing morning tea as well, like a virtual morning tea. You know, the events that used to happen, uh, like you're trying to raise funds. It's like a virtual morning tea. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's a really interesting concept that you're able to bring that in or hold those events still. like, But kind of like what you're, you and I are doing. We have our own beverage at our end, but mm -hmm. we're participating in an event uh, which other people can get to see as well. And if they want to contribute, they get to contribute. I, I think it's like building that little, little or continuing to do those little things. Is that what sets a foundation for a good culture? No, I think... I, I think um, going back to the, the kind of Lencioni um, principles of what makes a, a corporate culture and how you how you kind of uh, transcend that across an organization is is what makes it. Um, so it's ensuring alignment and communication and transparency from the top down and understanding where every part of the business plays in achieving your key most important goal at that point in time. Uh, I think that's what makes the culture. Um, yeah. But because you've got that consistent alignment across the board, it means then that you can create things like this to really help help drive some of these areas. So I, I, a lot of the things that you discussed there, actually, we've, we've benefited from the technological change that's been driven by COVID. Um, I say we, uh, the, the world has been benefited by this because yeah. actually we've had a lot of things that would have been great to do face-to-face -face that we can't do. But we've now got a load of things that we can do and they're becoming more popular that can be done over, over the internet so yeah like this we host um yoga sessions fitness sessions fitness competitions uh, all of this fun stuff that really just helps people enjoy their the working day as well a bit more um, and we've made some really nice changes as well like moved um, moved meeting times to 25 minutes instead of 30 just to give people a break from the constant zoom eye that they'll get of being on zoom all day 
oh, or, wow. or, or playing, you know, um, interactive games to get to know each other a little bit more, like um, through through the keyholes of British um, TV show that I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but we played that on, um, on on Zoom where we all we all give some photos into one person central in the organization, and then we try and guess whose house it is where uh, we're looking at on the screen. Oh, oh wow. All of this is great, great fun, and I'm making a place uh, an enjoyable place to work. But setting a culture for me really comes from the the transparency and communication and alignment of efforts against a, a clearly defined strategic goal. Yep, and I think transparency, hundred percent. Do you feel like it, th- these are qualities you are able to see before you even join a company? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a number of chances you you get as a as an interviewee, I guess, to, to go and understand this. And more so the more um, crowdsourced intelligence we have on this kind of stuff. Um, so Glassdoor for, for me is the first place that I'd ever look when, when joining an organization. And, um, and it was certainly one of the places that I looked when I joined my current organization. Um, yep. And you really get a sense for, for a company by looking at it because you can see if people have written a truly heartfelt review or not. Um, wow. And often, you know, you get the, the trip advisor effect where certain people only write a negative review and, you know, it's harder to leave a positive one. Well, that's yeah. me. When you do get positive ones, they're obviously worth even more weight. And, um, and joining Matillion, we had outstanding five-star reviews across every area, wow. um, which which said a lot to, to me. Um, but then wow. you can go further, you know, during the interview process, you get a real feel for it. And and the way um, Matillion interviews, it's it's never a, a really kind of half an hour or an hour boxed interview with competency-based questions. We really open open everything up so that the interviewee really gets to question us and see the organisation. I interviewed oh. with uh, with some of the newest hires within the organisation. We're on the interview panel for me, as well as yep. some of the senior developers, which who I would, was not really going to have a lot of interaction with. Um, but needed to understand where they were coming from and where the business had been founded and that real kind of um candid conversation yeah that's that's yeah yeah and to your point comes back to the transparency as well because you're able to be transparent with other people and doing uh, for anyone who's listening in and is going through an interview process and kind of wondering i wonder what the culture is like and if you're not able if you're not able to have a transparent conversation with your interviewee or or as our interviewer, I guess in that in this context as well, because it should it's a two way conversation. It's not just that them telling you how or why you should join, but it's also you deciding should I join this company? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's one of the things we've uh, we've worried about. From um, we always bring people into the office and let them kind of sit around the office and you know meet whoever they might meet whilst they're waiting to go in for an interview. And obviously, we can't do that right now. Uh, yeah. So yeah. We've, at ways at which we can try and you know show people at least what Matillion is in the physical form as well. Um, oh, areas yeah. We've looked at trying to achieve that as well um, over the over the next few few months. That's very interesting. And is it? And I think we mentioned uh, we spoke about cybersecurity culture. We spoke about culture in general in an organization, and how to kind of amplify during a remote environment. How does this? change for a growth organization versus a bigger organization i understand you have had a lot of experience in the growth organization as well for people who may not know what a growth organization is if you can start with that and then go into if it changes for growth sure sure so i think um the big difference that you you get here is that 
when an organization is going through that that growth phase, they need to focus on a couple of areas. And it's really important for um, someone, especially if they've got a, a product um, that they're, they're selling, they, they need to look at making sure their product fits in the market and making sure that their, their sales um, pipeline is ready to go. So they need good go-to-market and good um, good product. And if they've got those two things, they're going to do well and, and do well on that growth curve and continue to expand at a real pace. Um, so what that leaves you with is a couple of interesting dynamics that you need to consider when you're looking at a culture. Um, firstly, you've got rapid growth, um, rapid growth of the size of your organization, but rapid growth within the markets as well. Um, mm -hmm. And that culture that you start with on day one might evolve. It's, it's important that it probably does evolve, um, but also it's important that you don't lose sight of what was important to you as a, as a founder or as a small business at that stage. So you've got this one, this one element of, of a growing workforce and growing uh, revenue to deal with. Um, on, on the flip side of this, you've focused on product and you've focused on go-to-market. You might not have focused on some of the areas that don't drive return of, um, return of investment straight away. Um, and security is one of these. It's really difficult to, to show ROI on security. So that's why security is often not the first one sat in the room. Now, I have been with organizations where I've been one of the first people sat in the room from a security point of view in a company that was um, four strong and ended up as um, 150 strong by the time I was leaving. But they were very sector specific. So they were, were security was so important to that sector, they could not afford to get it wrong. You take other ones and Zooms, you know, the, the poster boy for this story at the moment, they've, they've risen like this before COVID and, um, and carried that on through COVID. They've then hit the real issues when security was kind of came unhinged a little bit there. Um, and when you look at Zoom, you say, did they get anything really wrong? They probably didn't. Um, they might have been a little bit late to the party with some of the, the hires, but they've invested in that now and they've been really transparent about it. Should they have done this a little bit earlier? Maybe. Should they have done it a lot earlier? Absolutely not, because they needed to get that product right and they needed to get go to market right. And that's where they needed to invest invest their capital. Investing it in um, in security needed to come slightly later on. Does that, does that answer the question? Does it does, and I think it does. And I think it, it, it's, it does bring an interesting point as well. If cybersecurity may not be important at your point, well, you don't even know if you would have enough money in the kitty to buy a security product or talk about all these amazing security things that you have and certifications you would get. If you can't sell the product, it doesn't make a difference because mm -hmm. there's no one to, like, it's the most secure software in the world, but no one wants to buy it. What's the point of yeah. it? You might as well just put that money in the bank then at that point. Exactly. Look, so security, I was always say to everyone, it's a function of risk. And ultimately, risk you're looking at a various number of factors. Um, but if you're if you're not in business, that's the, the biggest risk is going out of business, especially in a growth organization. So you need to make sure that you're able to grow and able to continue. Um, yep. If security is going to block that, then it's, it's not going to work. And, and to your point, uh, bringing it back to the whole culture thing as well. Uh, say, for example, most likely a growth company also means the security team would be quite small it would not be say 20 30 people it might be two or three four maybe five maybe i mean more sometimes it's just one person yeah how does how does one build or think about cyber security culture in a growth organization from then mm. so yeah build, building it's a, a real challenge and it is always you're you're everyone and 
you're, you're everyone from an analyst through to an engineer through to a CISO and everything in between every mm-hmm. hour of every day. Um, yep. And what's yep. happening. So the, the way that I think you think about this across an organization like that, you've got to, you've got to leverage the teams that you've got in place. Just because you're a one man, a three man, a five man band, that doesn't mean that you can't work closely with infrastructure, with DevOps teams, with um, with IT teams, with anyone outside of the technology space, with your finance team, your legal teams, to make sure that you can actually get your security work done. Um, and this all comes back to the key point that I make about culture, and it's all about alignment. If mm-hmm. everyone knows that you're at this stage within your, your journey, your Zoom, your whoever else, and you've decided our focus for the next six weeks, six months, whatever it may be, is around security. And here's why: you bring everyone on that journey with you um, as a as a top level exec team, but then also as the security team. People will be uh, feel obliged to help you um, actually achieve that because they see how it works as part of those more strategic goals. So when I started with the organisation. Um, I joined and we had this um, this super all hands, which was all of our American counterparts coming over to Manchester. And we had a big, we we unleashed the Science Museum in Manchester, had a big session there for two days all around alignment and corporate strategy. Um, and I, I spoke on that for the first time to the organization and I, I gave everyone an analogy of how security was important, but it's not the most important thing. Uh, and how it actually helps the organization move faster to its strategic goals. And it's one that security professionals use a lot, but it's around the uh, the Japanese bullet train. So this was designed to be the fastest train that was ever ever made. Um, and it was, the engine could, and the, and the maglev technology yeah. meant they could go ridiculously fast, <clears throat> but it could go faster. And the reason it couldn't go faster was because the brakes were not capable of slowing it down on time. Um, so actually, how did they make it go faster? They made better brakes or better security that allowed it to stop quicker and actually therefore sped it up. So this analogy really resonated. Um, I'm hopefully really aligned um, the security messaging to the organizational messaging, which then meant we could go forwards as one on, the, on that message. And, and I've had some really great support across the organization to deliver this now. Wow, I, I'm gonna seal that analogy. That is a great analogy. I'm going to seal that if you don't mind. <laughs> I have to just fact check some of it, but it's pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it kind of makes yeah. sense. Uh, even if it's like a hypothetical speed train, it does make sense. If you can't stop the train, what's the point of uh, go, speeding up? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to switch over to some of the fun side as well, which is kind of like why we are in a culture conversation. Uh-huh. So it's just kind of like our last section of, uh, I guess, of the episode as well, where I get to know the audience gets to know you a bit as well. Uh-huh. Not that many, just three questions. So I'll start the first one. What do you spend most time on when you're not working on technology or security or cloud? Within, within the organization. Well, you can just, it, it's, not, it's not just related to organization. It's just you. It's just getting to know you as a person. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, I've, I've got two young kids and any, uh, any parent would know that, um, that two <laughs> young kids completely zaps everything. Um, Especially with long distance schooling, I guess now. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's it's been you know, like it's challenging for everyone, right? And schools are schools are doing yeah. the best. Um, parents yeah. are absolutely doing the best. I've got a, a great wife who's delivered an amazing yeah. education to my kids, so that that's brilliant. Um, but that's actually, awesome. going back to going back to culture here, you know, the mm. the business has really understood the the pressures that are on people here, and really worked with them to make sure that 
one, we can continue as a business, but two, the people that can actually have a life and family actually is, is right up there. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And, and to, to your point, um, a lot of people join uh, organizations which have child kids and things like that as well for the same reason, because that supports your family because that supports you every day. I mean, you can, um, yeah, sorry, 100%. I don't want to go dwell too, in, too, too deep into it, but I agree with you. It definitely is quite a key uh, component. Like everyone has families and that's, those are important as well. And I think the whole COVID has highlighted the fact that family safety also comes in because you don't want to bring someone in the organization and they get, uh, they become, they, they, I guess they get COVID and then they get it to the family. Yeah, whole different ball game over there, but good answer though. Um, what is something that you're proud of, but is not on your social media, like LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever you hang out? <laughs> Um, pr probably I'll, I'll go back, I'll go back to this. Um, and th this right here, right? This was, um, this was a, a life changing moment for me going out and working for Disney. And it's really, um, really quite a cool story, I guess. Um, I went and worked for Disney world, um, when I was at university through, um, through their summer program. So went and spent three or four months out there as a lifeguard in one of the resorts. And, um, it was the kind of thing that I wouldn't have envisage myself doing and kind of <laughs> fell into uh um, yep. everyone always asked me if i was uh i dressed up as mickey mouse out there no i wasn't <laughs> i was gonna ask that but yeah thanks for clarifying it <laughs> yeah yeah no it's that it was a great experience to kind of led to where i'm now in life through various different ways um but actually working for one of the um, most prominent organizations in the world taught me so many lessons and, and i'm really proud that i, I did that I imagine the scale would have been just mind blowing as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the scale of the way they do things, it's the, the exact amount of control over every tiny little thing without giving away any of the secrets that ruin the magic. Um, it was, yeah, it was really quite something to observe. Oh, interesting. Uh, one more question before uh, we get to the end. What's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm fairly simple. Um, my my favorite cuisine will always just be a really really good pizza. Um, oh, so I, I went out to our uh, our Denver office recently um, and met with our CMO out there. He took took me out after uh, after work one day. And we went to a place called um, Slice Works where they have some very strange pizzas. They'd managed to recreate a, a Big Mac on a pizza. It was oh. absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely great. And I I actually tried to copy it this um, this last weekend with the kids. Um, oh. I read there's a lot of great recipes online for it sounds disgusting but it's absolutely great yeah i was gonna say big mac as a pizza that's yeah well yeah. Um, wait how was the uh how was the replication that you did with your kids did that come out all right yeah yeah surprisingly good actually <laughs> uh, or did your kids not tell you anything because they're like or oh, dad made it i guess it is good love it dad <laughs> uh, they, they didn't actually get to eat it because they weren't a fan of the pickles on the top of it but oh, right. they, they had their own one i ate the big mac pizza and felt yeah very ill afterwards because it was far too as big. long as you were happy man as long as, long as you're happy um that so that's kind of like towards the end of our uh episode here but where can people reach out to you if they want to talk more about culture and uh what are your socials that they can reach out to you on yeah, sure. LinkedIn is probably the best place to get me. Uh, I do have a, a Twitter profile. I think it's Graham W. Park. Um, or on LinkedIn, it's Graham Cantu Park. Um, yep. I'm not not an awful uh, an awful um, tweeter, so get me on LinkedIn <laughs> if you need me, probably. Perfect. And I'll leave that in the social, social uh, I guess, the 
show notes as well so people can reach out to you as well but this was really yep. amazing man i do appreciate this is quite late in uh, uk at the moment so i do appreciate you taking the time out and apologies to your family for making you keeping you awake and yelling in the house i guess while you were going through this uh thanks so much for taking the time out man really appreciate that no it's been been great and yeah don't worry about the time difference it's um it's what zoom is all about right that's right thank thank thanks so much man i'll i'll hopefully i can bring you once again to talk more about this one day absolutely that that's great thanks very thank much you. Even there, everyone. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.